Perhaps it's one of the most popular pastimes on the planet. Pedaling provides people with personal freedom and even empowers us. Whether you're a recreational rider, a serious racer, or just trying to stay in shape, cycling is simply a spectacular sport. Get pumped up as we get a grasp on bikes on this week's episode of FYI. Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. You got it. Hello, 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 and welcome to another exciting edition of FYI for your English. And this is a topic-based show where we learn about a wide range of topics, una amplia gama. And this week we're going to learn about one of the most popular pastimes on the planet, as I said in the intro. One of the most popular pastimes. I think that's an easy one for you Spanish speakers. Then I said, pedaling provides people. Nos da, right? Pedaling is pedalear, to move the pedals. I said, it provides people with personal freedom and even empowers us. Nos empodera, nos da poderes. Yeah, like superheroes. Then I said, whether you're a recreational rider, that means you ride for fun. And I think I'm in that category. I'll start this off, too, by giving you a little disclaimer. I'm no expert on bikes, but I've got to give a huge round of applause and a special thanks to all the students who helped me out in this episode. And that's Born to Iron Man, who is an Iron Man finisher. He can run, he can bike, he can swim, and he kicks butt at English. So great job, Born to Iron Man. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the ideas that you gave me. And also thanks to Edgar, Cristina, and Joaquin. And they are some of my patrons that we're going to hear from today who also enjoy cycling. But let's finish up the intro and then we'll get moving into all the exciting stuff about bikes. The second category was serious racers. So I guess I would put our buddy Born to Iron Man in that category. And then there's those of us who are just trying to stay in shape. So I would put myself in the recreational rider just trying to stay in shape. And we didn't even mention people who use it for transport, especially in cities that are prepared for it, such as Amsterdam, where the bike is king. The pecking order there is bikes, that's the top of the totem pole, then pedestrians, that's peatones, and then cars, which is interesting because in most cities, it's the other way around. 
But I think no matter how you like to cycle, there's one thing we can all agree on. It's a spectacular sport. It's watched by millions. And we're going to talk about the most important races, obviously, France, Italy, Spain, they all come to mind. And then you heard the little bell. I love that little classic bell. Ring, ring. And then I don't know if you caught it, but I gave you guys a little pun. I was trying to be punny. And I said, get pumped as we get a grasp on bikes. So there are two puns in there. To get pumped is motivate, right? To get motivated, to get excited. But also a pump is una bomba. You use a pump to blow up your tires or to inflate your tires. And we're going to take a look at all the different parts of the bike as well. So we've got a lot of stuff to cover. And the other pun was, as we get a grasp on bikes. And a grasp is like a grip, right? To get a grasp on something is agarrarlo, to hold on to it. But it also means to understand it, to gain a better understanding of it. And even though bikes have had their ups and downs, sus altibajos, and pun intended there, they've had their ups and downs, we can't deny it. There's a bike craze that continues to this day. And a craze, I didn't say the word crazy, I said the word craze, which is una tendencia. Let me give you a couple statistics just to kick it off. There are twice as many bicycles in the world as cars. The world manufactures about 100 million bikes each year. So there's no doubt they are huge. Their popularity has never been so big, especially these days when everybody's figuring out how they can, you know, be more eco-friendly. And somebody who's no stranger to bikes, in fact, he's been riding, you can say riding or cycling, and we're going to take a look at all the different kinds of bikes as well, but somebody who is no stranger to, and this structure means they're very familiar with it, somebody who is no stranger to riding bikes is my good buddy, Joaquin. He's been sitting in the saddle, el asiento, that's the same seat we use when we talk about a horse. <laughs> He's been sitting in the saddle for 40 years, and he loves riding bikes. Let's hear from Joaquin. Hi, Alberto. This is Joaquin. First of all, sorry for my poor English. It's about time for one FYI based on cycling. You ask us why we are into cycling. As for me, I can't answer your question, because despite the fact that I've been doing cycling for 40 years, I don't have a replay, honestly. Maybe it's a sort of freedom, the pleasure to go almost uh, wherever you want to go, getting together with your friends, watching beautiful landscapes and especially getting healthy and in shape. No matter for me if it's winter or summer, but I don't ride when it's raining or overcast. I used to belong to a club, but currently I only go with my best friends because it's less risky and we take just four or five routes where there is barely traffic. To wrap up, there are two kinds of cyclists, the ones who have already fallen and the ones who are going to fall from their bikes. It's something set in stone. If everyone understands me, I'll believe in miracles. Best wishes. 
Awesome job, Joaquin. You sounded great. And guys, I can confirm Joaquin is in great shape. Está en buena forma. Great job. And your English is in great shape too, Joaquin. Just be careful. You wanted to say the word reply and you said replay. Just be careful. It's a common mistake over there. But what I love is he loves the freedom that it gives us. And I mentioned that in the intro. And we're going to talk about the freedom that it gave women in suffrage. This is when women were fighting for the right to vote. So bikes were even instrumental in giving women more rights, more freedom, and not just women, everybody. He also said he likes to get together with friends. Sure, you can go down to the local pub and down some beers, but then you're going to get a beer belly like Homer Simpson or yours truly, un servidor. That's me. So that's a great activity you can do with friends. You're getting some vitamin D from the sun. You're in nature and you can always have a beer after. And I'll tell you something, you don't feel as bad about it. And Joaquin, again, you're in great shape, and he's gotten picky. Well, he's been doing it for 40 years, and he goes, I don't ride in the rain, and I don't ride when it's overcast, and overcast means cloudy. And then he used, uh, he gave us some words to the wise, unos consejos, some advice, and he said, you're bound to fall. So sooner or later, you're going to fall off the bike. We'll hear from some more students in a little bit. But first, let's rewind and take a look at the history behind bikes. What if I told you that Leonardo da Vinci and one of his pupils invented the first bike? Well, bike, it depends how you define the term bike. But we're going to take a look at that in the bonus part. Just a quick reminder, guys, there's a bonus episode every week that's available exclusively for my patrons, the students in my community. And there are all different levels that you can join us. You can just get the bonus episode and some PDF documents, or you can be in weekly and monthly classes with me. And if you're in our highest level, if you're like Edgar, who we're going to hear from in a little bit, and you're an interstellar student, you get a monthly private class with me where we can gauge your progress. If you guys want more information on how you can join our awesome community, you can go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. Check it out for as little as three euros plus tax. You can get the bonus episodes plus so much more. And if you're at our highest level, You'll get a weekly review class with me. That's a group class. And you'll get a monthly private class with me. So that's five classes a month with me. Take a look at it because a lot of people ask me if they can have classes with me. And the answer is yes. But once I have too many students in the interstellar level, I'm going to have to put a cap on it because there's only one of me. Until we can clone me, well, there's only one of me to go around. So if you want more information, go to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso, and all the people we're going to hear from today are all patrons. In fact, I'm going to take this moment to send a shout out to all my patrons, especially my super duper students, Javier, Roberto, David, Jose Maria, Mila, Alex, and Patricio. And don't forget about my interstellar students. These are the ones who have a private class with me every month. 
and you guys know you're special, you're awesome, and we are making progress. We're all making progress at every level, but with my interstellar students, I hold you guys accountable. So a shout out to my interstellar students, Carmen, Lina, Isa, Paco, and Edgar. And while we're on it, why don't we hear from Edgar? Edgar has been a student of mine for over two years, since the beginning, since this project began. Edgar, keep up the great work, and let's hear why Edgar loves riding bikes. Hello, Alberto. This is Edgar, one of your Patreon subscribers from the very beginning. Thanks for inviting me to share why I love biking with my fellow students. Indeed, it's something that I would recommend to anyone, as it's a great outdoor activity where you can breathe fresh air while doing some exercise. We are lucky because, as you know, in every major European city, there are great roads and parks to ride safely in nature. What I love the most uh, about biking is to choose a playlist from my phone and start riding. That helps me disconnect from my daily routine and free my mind. Perfect to blow off some steam, as you say. Back in 2002, a couple of friends and I decided to go, to go over the Camino de Santiago following the north route. We rode 700 kilometers in five days from Santander to Santiago in Coruña. It was challenging but totally worth it. We rode between five to seven hours daily and the views were amazing. I still remember those small villages next to the sea. The food was also incredible. Having a favada after a hard day of riding was the perfect way to finish our journey. But that was when I was in tip-top shape. Nowadays, I ride with my nine-year-old daughter. We bought a tandem a couple of years ago and we share amazing moments together. As I said, it's the best recommendation I can give to all of you. So that's it. See you in our next review class. Bye-bye. That is wonderful. Edgar, you sounded great. And you know, I thought about getting a tandem bike to ride with Lara. Because you're getting exercise, you're bonding, which is bonding is creando estos vínculos. You're spending time together. You're forging memories. I don't want to be poetic, but it's true. While you get exercise, while you get some fresh air, I mean, however you slice it or dice it, it's a great idea. So kudos to Edgar for his English and for inspiring his daughter to have healthy habits. I can't wait to meet her in person maybe at the book fair, the upcoming book fair. Remember, guys, I go to the Madrid book fair every year because I have four books. And if you, you want to check out my books, one of them is called, I'll, I'll go in order because if I, if I don't go in order, I forget them. The first one is called English Everywhere. The second one is a bestseller. It's called This Book is the Milk. The third one is called This Book is the Milk Two, and the latest one is English on the go, Aprende Inglés Viajando por el Mundo. You can buy them wherever fine books are sold. So, as with any invention, there are always predecessors, right? Let's take a look at some of the predecessors to the bike. This is from 1817. I'm going to give you a little timeline just so you get an idea. And this was called the Draisin or the Velocipede. And this was the first practical bicycle. It was a German civil servant, you say funcionario, somebody who works for the government, named Karl von Dreis. That's why they called it the Dreisine, the Velocipede. Now, it looked a little bit like a bike, and the Germans, oh, the Germans had another name for it, the Laufmaschine, which translates into the running machine. What? But I thought you said it was a bike, Alberto. 
Well, yeah, I said it was a predecessor to the bike. There were no pedals. It looked like a bicycle for all intents and purposes, but there were no pedals. So you're asking yourself, how did the riders propel themselves forward? Well, they used their feet. Like those kids' bikes that we see now that don't have pedals. It reminds me a little bit of Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. Have a yabba-dabba-doo time. You know, the way they move their car on foot. Then we had the high wheeler. And this one sounds exactly like what it is. You've seen this one. I got to tell you something, as somebody who used to be, I'm not anymore, but I used to be afraid of heights. I can't imagine myself wanting to ride that one when I was a kid, the high wheeler. Another word, another way they call these is the penny farthers. And it's interesting, I didn't know this, but it's because of two British coins. The wheels look like a penny and a farther. But I think it's a, a much easier name is the high wheeler or the high wheel bicycle. And that was popular in the 1870s. So we've jumped from 1819 with the Lauf machine and now we're in the 1870s. And the term bicycle wasn't introduced until the 1860s. So somewhere there in between. And it was coined in France in order to describe a new kind of two-wheeler. But again, if you've seen pictures of these high-wheelers, they don't look very safe. If you fall off, you know, there's a long way down, you know. You can break some bones, get some scrapes and bruises. Let's put it this way. The high-wheeler was not practical yet. Let's listen to a little newsreel. I love these old school newsreels. And they explain a little bit about the early history of bikes. Let's see how much you guys understand. Either way, in the bonus episode, we're going to go through all the vocabulary. This is a video from 1937. You're going to hear the audio. And it's called The Birth of the Bike. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed listening to it. <laughs> Where there's a wheel, there's a way. But with bicycles, the way has been rather tortuous, as these pictures of the old hobby horse for the use of ladies, one, and the other models shown by courtesy of the Science Museum will suggest. There were no traffic signals in those rollicking days. The next step was the machine of 1839. The handlebar was carried in an iron fork, and the wooden wheels were propelled by treadles and cranks fitted to one of the axles. In 1860 came the velocipede, and this one, if you please, is a light racer made of wood with a metal crankshaft. It's front driving and rear steering, and it weighs only 63 pounds. Seven years later saw the bone shaker. The brake is operated by rotating the handlebar, and there are pedals fitted to the front wheel. Daredevils flung themselves headlong into the saddle and dashed off at almost eight miles an hour. This is the extraordinary of 1878, with ball bearings fitted to hubs and pedals rubber studded. The machine is front wheel driven and safer to ride. The front wheel has a diameter of 52 inches, and the rear wheel 22 inches. And with a later ordinary, life became just one mad whirl. The first rear chain-driven safety made its appearance in 1879. The saddle is now much further back, and there are thrilling footrests for coasting, my dear. This tricycle was born in the same year. It had two small wheels in front and a large rear wheel, and it was steered by hand grips. The tricycle was rear-driven, and the front wheels could be adjusted to enable the machine to pass through narrow passages. Two years later came the dicycle, with two large road wheels on an axle which supported the saddle and entire frame. It was steered by means of spade grip handles, which also contained a brake. 
A roller prevented the rider from falling off backwards. In 1885, we saw this safety, with solid rubber tyres and a saddle like a shoulder of mutton. Then the safety of 1890, with diamond frame, curved forks and a plunger brake to the front wheel. So we've progressed, from the old hobby-horsey period to the present shorts and sports days. From the tandem and bloomers, I'll bet he talked behind her back, the rascal, to the carefree, any old thing of modern youth. Cheerio, old fruits! I love that old school sound. Let's take a look at some breakthroughs, unos avances. And I'm not just going to talk about breakthroughs as far as a bike is concerned, but remember the roads. There had to be breakthroughs in paving and all that jazz, y todo eso. So another guy who's really important is a guy named Philip Moritz Fischer. He used the Dresine, the first one that we talked about, to get to school from the age of nine. So he was already drawing inspiration from the predecessor. And he invented a huge invention, and that's the pedal crank. That was in 1853. And this is when pedals became a part of a bike. Now, the sad part about this is he never made his invention public. So people found out years later. But without this breakthrough, maybe we wouldn't have the bikes we have today. Either way, if you're in Schweinfurt, Schweinfurt, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Germany, you can take a look at this bike from 1853. It's called the Tretkurbelfahrrad. You couldn't have named it something a little bit shorter. And talking about roads... Yeah, well, how are you going to ride bikes that don't have rubber tires? What? They don't have rubber tires? Yeah, we didn't get to that part yet. You got to remember, there were so many different breakthroughs to get to the bike we have today. So roads needed to be strong. They, they needed to be paved. And at the end of the 19th century in the United States, roads were not equipped for bicycles at all. So then there was a boom, and they started to pave roads. There was a huge boom in road construction in the United States. So this was very, very important, and this also added to making this sport so popular or this pastime so popular. Just remember, they didn't have mountain bikes yet. <laughs> We're got to go step by step here. The pedals, then we've got the right roads we need. And as I said, the tires were not rubber. They didn't have air in them like they do today. Some of the original tires were made out of wood or iron. Just to give you an idea how uncomfortable it was to ride these bikes, some of the early bikes were called bone shakers. So thank God for a guy named John Boyd Dunlop. Does that name ring a bell? It is synonymous with rubber. And this guy created the first practical pneumatic tire in 1887 for his son's bicycle. By this time, too, cyclists were starting to get representation all over the United States. They had the League of American Wheelmen, and these were advocates. These were people who got together, and they tried to promote better roads, safety, and things like that. And speaking of, of safety, the first practical safe bike is called the Rover, but they also call it the Safety Cycle. Remember, before that, you had that penny farther that you were, you know, uh, three kilometers above sea level. Also, these safety cycles were a lot more affordable. So this opened up bikes to other classes of people. 
And some would say this was the most important change in the history of the bicycle because now they became safe and affordable. And that led to the bike boom of the 1890s. There were more than 500 organizations. There were businesses. It was a thriving industry. But as I said before, like everything, it had its ups and downs. And there was a decline as cycling became more and more popular in Europe over the first half of the 20th century, it started to drop off in popularity dramatically in the United States. And this was between 1900 and 1910. And can you figure out why? Well, automobiles became the preferred means of transportation. And in the 1920s, bicycles were seen as nothing more than children's toys. In the 1940s, most bicycles that were made were made for kids. But then, thanks to many other breakthroughs such as gears, marchas, uh, mountain bikes, where now you could go off-road, they started to boom again, and they've never been bigger than they are now. Before we get going, I want to take a look at some quotes. These were from American civil rights leaders. These women were behind the suffrage movement, and they talked about the importance of the bicycle as far as freedom and rights was concerned. Susan B. Anthony wrote in 1896, I think the bicycle has done more to emancipate women than any one thing in the world. I rejoice every time I see a woman ride by on a bike. Her friend and fellow suffragette, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, she wrote an entire article for the American Wheelman magazine, the association I told you about before. And she praised bicycles, dio elogios, and she encouraged the building of good roads. So all these women were also instrumental in making the bike popular, but at the same time, it was giving women an opportunity to leave the house and go for a bike ride. And we were living in very, very different times. It represented freedom, and it still does. And Elizabeth Cady Stanton said, the bicycle will inspire women with more courage, self-respect, and self-reliance and make the next generation more vigorous of mind and body. For feeble mothers do not produce great statesmen, scientists, and scholars. So she said it was important to the survival of humanity and the family. And I know that feeling of freedom. I remember when I rediscovered bikes. I was in Amsterdam. And a friend of mine said, you want to go to the museum? You want to go to the park? I said, yeah, let's go to all these places. He goes, okay, let's get on the bikes. And I hadn't ridden a bike in decades. And, you know, we have an expression. It's like riding a bike, which means it's something that's automatic that you never forget. And I'll tell you something. When I got on that bike and I was riding around Vondel Park in Amsterdam, I felt the wind whipping through my hair. I felt that freedom, that freedom that only a bike ride can provide. And we'll wrap up this episode with a quote from Charles M. Schultz, the creator of Peanuts. He said, Life is like a 10-speed bicycle. Most of us have gears we never use. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I hope you'll join us in the bonus episode of today's FYI.